1: Conair Girl Bomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girl Bomb. Available at ConairGirlBomb.com or a retailer near
2: you. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Oh, hello. Good afternoon. Good. Buenos tardes. Hi, Chelsea. I mean, buenos... (laughs) I don't even know what I mean. I'm so sick of my bell correcting me in my fucking Spanish. I mean, like she corrects everything I say, but she's not correcting me to speak proper Spanish. Mm-hmm. She speaks slang Spanish, admittedly. Mm-hmm. She says to me, "Well, this is how we speak in Mexico," and I'm like, "Great," but I'm trying to learn Spanish <laughs> for Spain. And, True. And I also don't want to point out that I don't ever correct her fucking English. <laughs> Never. <laughs> I never say, oh no, that words those words go in the opposite direction or anything. But she is riding me like a wave. Oh my gosh. She wants and you to she be purple. won't get off my jock. <laughs> I'm like, Do you want me to learn Spanish or don't you? If you keep putting up these barriers Uh, And she just loves it, though. But I got to give it to her. Like, I know that that must be satisfying for her to be able to correct me all the time and tell me what to do. And you asked her to (laughs) in her defense. Well, yeah, I said I wanted to speak Spanish. You could let me slide a little bit with my grammar. (laughs) But you know what? I love I'm such a grammarian. I care so much about grammar that I really want I want to speak proper Spanish. Anyway, it's just it's too much of a beginner's Spanish to to be there yet yeah Anywho, <laughs> what have i learned this week i learned about cuba and sugar
2: oh tell me about how cuba sugar, and sugar. And
0: how, well you know after this i learned all about spain oh i have to promote a show april 20th spokane that's the second show we added in spokane it's not quite sold out so please buy your tickets you motherfuckers <laughs> and what other shows do i need to promote well they're all really almost sold out oh, oh red rocks amphitheater That one's not sold out yet. Red Rocks Amphitheater. That's a big one. That's like 10,000 people. I can't wait. So yeah, go to ChelseaHandler.com. There are some tickets for some other shows. But yeah, and I'm going to add a whole bunch of new dates. I think sometime this month. Yeah, fantastic. It's so hard to figure out where I am. I thought I was in Cuba. So I learned all about the Spanish conquering Cuba and then the English conquering Cuba. And then they had a treaty and they gave Cuba back to Spain and then they kept Florida and then they kept the lower Mississippi, some areas around there. And then they discovered sugar during the Atlantic slave trade, which was started by the English. I'd like to say that. Make sure we keep that mentioned, so that people fucking understand history because I am so confused about so many things. I was like, "Where didn't we all come from Egypt to my brother one day? He's like, no, you asshole. (laughs) And so now I'm reading a book. Then we all came from Africa. Everybody came from Africa. Yep. So, anyway, the sugar, yeah, so Cuba was the center of sugar for a long time. Slaves were responsible for all of the prosperity of the United States, mm-hmm. beginning the United States, mm-hmm. and basically taking all of the sugarcane, hacking it, cutting it, transferring it, blah blah blah. And so that's when the Atlantic slave trade peaked was mm. during the sugar, I want to say rush, but I don't
3: think it's called yeah. a rush. <laughs> I like calling it a sugar rush. Um,
0: yeah, sugar rush. <laughs> <laughs> kind
3: of has a different connotation. That's
0: a There, that's something too. So yeah. yeah, there's that. And then I'm learning about Neanderthals and Denisovans. Oh my God. And Anatolia and Homo erectus and how we all kind of changed. And when we split off, like right before Homo erectus, we split off, we diverged. One became chimpanzees uh-huh. and the other became modern humans. Oh my God. Short history of humanity is called. I need to read what
3: you're reading because, like, as a kid who grew up going to Christian school where we had, let's say, a warped and abbreviated version of science, I didn't even know that like Pangea existed until I was in college. I remember saying to a teacher once, Why does it look like the two, you know, halves of the earth would fit together? And they're like, That's just a funny thing God did. Like, that kind of stuff was what I grew up with. I
0: also believed that we were everything was connected even the islands and not not, all the islands like sardinia corsica were never part of the mainland they were just like they were volcanic yes yes so they they have their own thing going so that's interesting too that that would naturally happen that there would be islands sprinkled everywhere you know i mean i guess i got such bad science education i didn't even
3: remember the word for continents you know the halves of the world it's just wild.
0: Yeah, it is wild, and you know, you know, you read something and you, I retain. I'd be interested in my level of retainment. You're mm-hmm. Like, I want to take tests after every book I read to see how much I took in. I think we're trying to send you back to college. Like, are I, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't. We're be back to sending you to to some sort of curriculum, quite yeah. frankly. <laughs> okay, what do we got, Catherine? Okay. What's happening today? Well, Chelsea, I have we have my ski buddy on today, but I won't tell you who that is until Ooh. she's on.
3: That's very exciting. So, Chelsea, I had an email come in about Dana, who had called in. Her stepson was being sort of vaguely creepy. Yes, yes. Yes. And she mentioned, like, he was maybe being a little too touchy-feely with her son. And I just thought this email was so important that I wanted to share it with you. Heather says, hello, Chelsea and Catherine. I wanted to say thank you for providing the audience with the mother that called in about her stepson she feels uncomfortable around. While I had no doubt this would be your response, I truly appreciate you not minimizing the seriousness of needing to take action to protect her younger son, self, and family. I'm also in awe of the mother's strength to reach out for advice. Because that is so tricky. I mean, it's like, it's this sort of nebulous thing. My personal story includes eight-plus years of a very close family friend grooming me as a child with uncomfortable touching, inappropriate sexual conversations for an adult to have with a child, shower peeping, accidental, quote-unquote, porn exposure, and more. Oh, God. While rape never occurred, it has left years' worth of trauma response that I'm working through with a great therapist. However, at the time, it was brushed off by others as creepy old man vibes or... That shoulder or waist touching wasn't considered a sexual touch, even if I didn't want it. I think I was meant to hear this podcast today, as my therapy session this week was focused on my continued struggle with not freezing in a moment when someone touches me in a suggestive, but not legally sexual way. The mother listening to her intuition and taking charge to keep her young son safe could have a huge impact on her son's future. Mm-hmm. It's something I wish would have happened for myself.
2: Aww.
3: Her older stepson clearly also needs support, and I'm thankful you communicated to prioritize safety of family while acknowledging his need for help too. It's these conversations and stories that I hope will help others think differently on the impact these quote-unquote micro traumas can have over time. Thanks so much for your awesomeness and sharing both the funny and needed stories of our lives. Heather.
0: I like how she said microtrauma because I learned about complex trauma from a friend of mine over mm. the weekend who I hung out with. And he was telling me about complex trauma is trauma over time, right? Like mm. uh, neglect or alcoholism or drug addiction, something like that that, you're, that you lay witness to. If you have a sibling that has a terrible uh, schizophrenia, that would right. be complex trauma, which is different than... Event trauma. Right, right. And PTSD is related to event trauma. But yeah. I want to underline the intuition part because more and more people are talking about intuition and understanding that it is a very concrete, if mm. not measurable thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And for every woman and man that is listening to all our gays, you all have it. We all have intuition. We all have a feeling in our stomach, in our gut. Sometimes it's in your heart, or it feels like in your heart, but it is really in your gut. When you meet someone, and it's the exact opposite of the feeling you get when you know something's wrong.
2: Mm. When somebody
0: comes into your space, a person, and you know they're dangerous. Right Mm -hmm. away, you see that they're sketchy, or that they're unhinged, or that they're unpredictable. That feeling right there, you can also have, in the opposite way, about something you should do or somebody you should move towards or a thing that is right. And if you really Mm. listen to yourself, you are going to know what that is. And we don't talk about intuition in the way that we need to because young girls need to trust their intuition. Mm -hmm. They need to trust the way that their body feels because your body will tell your brain what is happening.
3: And it is, it's such a concrete thing. It's like you, when you're in a certain situation or you're around someone who makes you uncomfortable, it turns into a physical reaction. Your stomach gets in a knot, your hair goes up on the back of your neck. Like, trust your posture these, changes, the yes, way you're holding
0: yourself and carrying yourself changes. Like, your body is communicating with mm, you. Yeah. You know, sometimes I, I fold my arms when I'm in a conversation and I realize how off-putting that is. Like, that's mm-hmm. the that's the definition of being defensive is having your arms mm-hmm. folded. Even if that's a comfortable position for you, that's how it's kind of received most of the time. And that's because my body's doing it. My mm-hmm. body is saying, oh, mm-hmm. I'm uncomfortable in, in, the, in this conversation. And you have to listen to those signals or, you know, sometimes it's just ego. Like, oh, they're mm-hmm. saying something that I don't like or mm-hmm. I don't agree <laughs> with or whatever. But yeah, I think that's a great conversation. For any parents listening to have with your young children, following your gut. It is so important, especially with situations like the ones we're just talking about. Right.
3: Where it's not illegal, it's not illicit, but it is something that is having an effect and an impact on that child or that adult. You know, this can happen in adult situations as well. One really helpful listener, Tatiana, wrote in saying some of the early warning signs of psychosis are a worrisome drop in grades or job performance, trouble thinking clearly, suspiciousness or uneasiness with others, a decline in self-care or personal hygiene, spending a lot more time alone than usual, and strong inappropriate emotions or having no feelings at all. And I think that's a really important thing to point out as well because that age, they said like 27, right around there, that's kind of when some mental illnesses will present themselves to people. So thanks to everyone who wrote in about that. So I thought this was so important to highlight and really paying attention to, you know, those little things. And if someone says I'm uncomfortable, like listening to them and seeing what needs to, what steps need to be taken. So...
0: Okay, so who's our first guest? Oh, okay, our first guest. We, it's our only guest. I forgot that I'm not on a TV <laughs> show right now. Our guest today is a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, and she's an Olympic gold medalist, and she's a skier. But before I introduce her, I really want to mention her philanthropy. She has a foundation called the Lindsey Vonn Foundation, which uh, empowers underserved girls with camps, scholarships, and more. So please make sure you are aware of that and check it out. She wrote a great book, which everyone should read. It's called Rise. Okay, please welcome Lindsay Vaughn. Ah, oh, there she is. Miss America. I was hoping that I was going to interrupt you your ski day today. Where are you? I'm in Orlando. Oh, yeah. You know, I have a dilemma, actually. I'm glad you brought up Florida. Because for my new tour, I was just on the phone with my agents this morning, and they were going over routing for the fall dates that we're going to announce later. And Florida was on the list. And I said, guys, I don't know about Florida anymore. And he, they're like, well, do you really want to punish the people in Florida? Like, you have people, You every time you go, you go to like six stops in Florida. I'm like, no, I don't. I don't want to punish the people of Florida. They're being punished enough. But I <laughs> feel like, as a statement, I just have to say, fuck off. Like, when is enough enough? Like, all of this legislation, like, I feel like DeSantis needs to know certain people aren't going to come. I'm sure they don't care about me, but if more people do it. But then there's the argument that you're affecting revenue, you're affecting people's jobs, you're affecting people's lifestyles. So I don't really know what the right answer is. If anybody listening has feelings on this, please DM me. Or actually, DM I'm... Lindsay. She'll she'll <laughs> go through them first, no, and then she'll read don't. them to me. <laughs> please don't. <laughs> uh, what are you doing in Orlando?
4: I'm speaking,
0: you know, apparently some people want my advice for some reason. I don't know. I believe it. You're a champion. We were just watching your night race at, uh, I'll say it. The Streif? The Streif in. Close. (laughs) Kitzbühel. Kitzbühel. Yes.
4: Kitzbühel. Yes. Kitspule. The Strife. Yes. Good job, guys.
3: Yeah. And this video is of you skiing the world's hardest ski run. You were not only the first woman to do it, but you also did it in the dark just to make it more insane. This video is crazy. I'll put a link to it in the show notes.
4: It's a hard one. Honestly, I've not run into one American that has gotten it right so far, but it's okay. The effort was there. I appreciate you. (laughs)
0: Well, it's also a hard line to ski. It's not even a line. I don't even know what the fuck you would call what you do. But it is so, so hardcore and so badass. I mean, all my ski buddies from Whistler who are real ski, you know, like they know how to ski. And they are just like, you. Ha- when that video came out, we must have watched it like 15 times. If you haven't seen it, she did it with Red Bull. You can watch it on Lindsay's Instagram, which you should be following her anyway because you put out great content. I saw you powder skiing the other day and I wanted to ask you, how do you, because if you spend your life training, you know, downhill and solemn, and all the stuff that you do. Do you spend a lot of time in powder before you retire? Oh, no, I never powder skied because I was so worried that I
4: would hurt myself. And some of the other athletes would go powder skiing, like if our race was canceled because of so much snow, you know, definitely I would say some of the girls would go, like people that are from California that grew up skiing powder but I didn't grow up skiing powder. I'm from Minnesota. There is not one powder day in the entire season. (laughs) It's mostly man, man, and just cool as hell. So I just, I love skiing, you know, and I powder is a lot easier on my knees. And while it's not something that, you know, I've grown up with, I just, I love it and it's fun. And it's the most exciting thing that I can do outside of racing.
0: Yeah, powder skiing is really fucking fun. And you know what is so fun about it or so funny about it is that when you learn how to ski... Technically, as Lindsay can speak to, way more than I can, but from what little I've gleaned, everything you learn about regular skiing goes out the window when you ski powder. You know, you're not at an (laughs) angle, you're not turning, you're bouncing like a bunny rabbit through the snow and just like hopping, like boop, 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 boop. Yeah, it's like
4: leaning back. It's the exact opposite that any instructor would ever teach you. It's all just lean back and ride the wave. It's like surfing. It's pretty funny because, to your point, it is the exact opposite of what, you, what you've what you been told, what you've been taught, and just throw it all out the window.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've been through a lot and you've been injured a lot. And I want to talk a little bit. I know you, Lindsay wrote a great book about her whole life, her autobiography. And in it, you talk a lot about your recoveries from uh, from many different accidents. And I want to know Obviously, you are mentally tough. You couldn't survive all of this and continue to go back out there, especially what you just skied in Kitzbühel. Like, why why would you do that? And you said, I mean, I think you said you had like your surgery ready to go in case you did wipe out and hurt yourself. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, I'm getting
4: my knee replaced. So I figured this was a perfect time to do it because if I crash and I need surgery, I'm getting it anyway. So (laughs) I don't mind risking it. But I, I've had my fair share of surgeries. I mean, you've, you've hurt your knee, you know you know the deal, but I don't think it's ever impacted my passion for ski racing or for skiing in general. Uh, I just love the mountain. I just wish it had been a little bit easier on my body, but uh, I don't have any regrets, you know, despite the fact that I limp around most of the time. I'm, I still wouldn't change anything.
0: Well, let's talk about the mindset that allows you to do that, because you work out really hard. So I know your body's been beaten up, but you still have a significant amount of strength left and determination in order to keep all of that going, which I think is really vital for, I think, all women. You know what I mean? With like our physicality, it's like you get an injury and you can be so down on yourself. First of all, it's depressing and you're immobile and then you're taking pills and you're, you know, you're trying to recuperate and all of that is like a real negative downer on you. So to be able to pick yourself back up that from that, not once, but repeatedly is very admirable and, and to keep going. You know, I know a lot of people who get into an accident and they don't want to ever do that thing again. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Oh, I want to do that thing right away again, because I don't want to be scared of it.
4: Yeah, exactly. I mean,
0: I think to
4: your point, a lot of people can get down and I got very down. I mean, I got really depressed when I was injured. I, I missed the Olympics. I was injured back to back ACLs, which took me out for almost two years in a row. And it's really hard to find anything positive, you know, when you, especially when you repeatedly get injured, like, what am I doing? You know, why am I doing this? And it's hard to find the motivation, but I think for me, it always goes back to passion. You know, why I, I love ski racing and I've always have, and that's why I kept doing it and kept coming back, but it doesn't make the recovery any easier. You know, it's always with rehab, it's always two steps forward, one step back. And sometimes one step forward, two steps back, you know, it's a, very monotonous, long, slow grind. And I just have learned through repetition that you just have to stick to it and keep, keep going, you know, keep putting one foot in the front, in front of the other. And that's the only thing you can do, honestly.
0: And your transition since you retired has been, you're still really involved with the U.S. ski team. You're still really involved in skiing. You're skiing with people all the time in Utah or Vale, or, you know, all over the place, I guess. And so tell me, talk to me a little bit about that transition for you, because I know as an athlete, or I, I don't know, I can imagine how difficult it must be to say goodbye to that part of your life. But in a way, you've kind of extended it in a way that we haven't seen many people do publicly.
4: Yeah, I mean, I I definitely felt like when I retired, a part of me died, you know, I it was something where I knew I could never go back. And I've been doing it my entire life. I've been skiing since I was two and a half years old. And after I retired, I woke up and what I loved to do every day was suddenly gone. And I had to really figure out, okay, what is it about ski racing that I loved? I, I love being on the mountain. So it took me about a year and a half. But I got back out there and I relearned my passion for the sport as a whole. And I enjoyed skiing with my family, with my friends. I've gone to places now that I've been many times before, but I've never actually skied. I've been to Courchevel. I've raced there many, many, many times, but I've never been anywhere other than the race trail. So I got to go back and explore the mountain and, you know, find my passion again. And and I think, you know, for me, I, I don't like sitting still downhill i always had adrenaline and that was really hard to replace but i have found ways to challenge myself and you know push myself now in business and just keep again like waking up every day with a new challenge and that's been exciting it's you know i feel like there's so many opportunities and I'm excited for the future, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I know. I like watching what you've been doing in the last couple of years. And we've known each other for a long time, actually. And it feels like you have really found your groove. And like all of these opportunities, your philanthropy, your foundation, and all of the business opportunities that you have cultivated for yourself is is a great model, I think, for a lot of younger athletes who are probably looking, going, oh, she made this like so seamless, you know? Well, it definitely wasn't seamless. I mean, I can't tell you how hard it was. You know, as a ski
4: racer, we don't, we don't make money. There's no money in ski racing. So I had to really work hard to make a business for myself. And my dad always made me aware when I was younger that if I wanted to be successful, I had to be more than an athlete. And so I always took that approach. I always went the extra mile. I always did all the interviews. You know, I was really careful with my sponsorships what partnerships I chose, always thinking long term. And I was actually made fun of, you know, a lot of people were like, why are you spending so much time with this? You know, you're distracted from your racing. And I said, no, I can do both. I can win races. I can have my own business. I can be successful on multiple levels at the same time. And I think, you know, just believing in myself and not listening to anyone else was, was the best thing that i could do because i wouldn't be anywhere if i'd listened to every single person that said i wouldn't do anything or couldn't be anything or
0: you know, couldn't multitask. Women are great multitaskers. I think. I know. <laughs> Fucking tell me about it. I mean, I, honestly, like women are so much better. When I was at the doctor's this morning, and I asked him one question, and then he just stopped everything he was doing to a- answer the question. And I looked at him, <laughs> and I wanted to say, "Keep, what you, keep, keep going." Like, don't. We don't have to do separate things like you can work and talk can't you at the you're same a like time, a doctor like, get it together I mean women are just like you know you're eating a hard boiled egg feeding your dog <laughs> yes. getting on a plane like we're doing a million things at once and it's, it's, it's so crazy to me that they cannot talk and think at the same time they can't even fathom what we do it's pretty no, funny no no I know your mom was a big influence on you I know you posted something today uh, about her and, uh, and her determination and how she inspired you and showed you what determination looked like. So talk to me a little bit about that. I mean, I think my mom impacted me in
4: more ways than I even really truly understand now. And I think now that she's passed away, it's been a few months and, you know, I I still always reflect on what she showed me. My mom had a stroke when she gave birth to me and she wasn't able to do physically the things with me that I would have loved to do with her, like ski. She couldn't ride a bike. The only thing she really could do, which she loved was swimming, which I'm ironically horrible at. I sink like a rock, but you know, my mom always tried and she failed, but she always tried. She would try to ride a bike and I would watch her fall over and over and over again, but she always got back up and she always tried and she always had a smile and she always was positive. And even when, you know, she was in her hospital bed and she couldn't move her arms or legs, she was positive And she said, you know, today is another great day. And it got harder and harder, but but she never lost that perspective. And I felt like when I was injured, I was lucky to have the opportunity to try again. You know, my mom didn't have that opportunity because of her stroke. So I think throughout my career, it's always given me a different sense of gratefulness that I think, you know, sometimes we lose sight of. I'm lucky to follow my passion every single day. I'm lucky that I'm walking and I'm, you know, while I hate running, I could run if I wanted to, it could always be worse. And, you know, we just have to be positive. And that's always what my mom taught me. And I'm very grateful for her influence. And again, while I didn't really fully understand it when I was growing up, I certainly understand it now. And I wish I'd had a little more time with her to be able to share more things with her.
0: Yeah, and I think you continue to understand it. The longer we're without our moms, you know, when my mom passed away, I certainly was too young to even understand the impact. I remember be talking in this interview about somebody asking me why I'm so strong. And I remember talking because I saw the way my mother and my dad's dynamic was, and I didn't like that. And that is just so diminishing to my mother because my mother sacrificed so much, you know, to be our mother, to not, you know, she she didn't get to live and pursue her dreams the way that I'm able to live and pursue my dreams, the reason I'm able to do that is because of my mother. And so I remember I was reading this book recently. It's called The Seven Deadly Sins. We're having this author on. She's awesome. And it just talks about how we don't give our mothers enough credit for even just the time that they grew up and the, the time that they raised us in, it was so prohibitive for them. Yet here are people that are able to like live out their dreams and go after what they want because our mothers were available to give us the allowance and the freedom to do that. And if they hadn't sacrificed what they had, and I I don't think that's even just beginning to sink in for me. But I do feel like we talk a lot about you know people who've passed on on the show, and you know I'm not sure how spiritual you are, but I know that you're open mind. Did. And I feel like my relationship with my mother since she died is stronger than it was when we were together on this earth. Mm-hmm. And there are so many moments where I just feel her presence so much guiding me and steering me like in this very sagacious, worldly way, which she was not like when I was growing up. But that's exactly who she was, according to my brothers and sisters. I just never had the patience or the time to find that out about my mother, you know, because by the time she had me, she was older. So I have to say like the idea that relationships can even strengthen beyond them being here on earth, I totally believe to be true. Yeah, And I hope you feel that too. And and are open to those signs and signals and like, you know, the stillness sometimes when you feel this, another person's presence is really just so powerful.
4: Yeah. My mom actually lost her mom when she was young as well. And when she was in the hospital, she said, I want you after I'm gone to talk to me as if I'm there and I will be there and I will listen just like my mom was there listening to me. And it gave me a lot of comfort. And, you know, I, when I ever want to call her, I just, I just talk to her and she's there.
0: Oh, yeah, and she is. Yeah, it's so sweet. I believe that our moms are there. Hopefully they're hanging out and your mom is teaching my mom something, you know? Hopefully they're yes. listening to the podcast right now while we're all fucking crying. Okay, anyway, <laughs> thank you for sharing. Thank you for being candid. I feel like we just had this moment. We did. We were crying for- <laughs> The last time we saw each other, we were on the Kelly Clarkson show, or no, was it Kelly? What? Yes, it was. Kelly yes, Clarkson was. With Wolfgang Fuck. And we were talking about her book, and we, she started crying, and then, of course, I started crying because it's contagious. Mm-hmm. And so now we just cry whenever we see each other. Okay, so anyway, we're going to take some callers. People are going to call in, and we're going to give them some advice, and we've curated this episode to suit things that you would have experience with. Order your books now. And with 25% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. So go to books.com and use promo code CHELSEA, C-H-E-L-S-E-A, for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S.com promo code CHELSEA.
1: Tired of hair removal tools that just don't cut it? Conair Girlbomb gives you smooth, flawless results while putting you firmly in control. From achieving that silky, smooth skin to boosting your inner confidence—
0: needed most. To learn more, visit naturesway.com slash pearls and use code CHELSEA10 at the checkout for 10% off any Pearl's probiotics. Terms and conditions apply. Valid through July 31st. families have a safe place to sleep visit lisa.com forward slash chelsea to learn more that's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash chelsea
3: and we're back perfect are we ready to continue we're doing okay oh yeah Yeah. okay okay great well, our first question comes from Rachel in Denver. And she obviously, somehow, a month before we talked about getting you on the show, knew that you were going to come on. She manifested it. And so she says, Thank you in advance for reading my letter. I'm hoping Lindsay Vaughn makes an appearance on the podcast. So this question is written to both Chelsea and Lindsay. <laughs> Dear Chelsea and Lindsay. I'm a 33-year-old single female living in the Denver area of Colorado with my dog, Hyde. My main hobbies are mountain biking and skiing, but I love staying active in general. A year ago, I ended a toxic long-term relationship. Even though it was a crazy past year, I was actually able to achieve one of my life goals, which was buying a second house and turning both of my houses into Airbnbs. It's been incredible to make the leap and finally do what I've been dreaming of. Owning and running these two businesses while still having my full-time job has allowed me to start saving for my second life goal, which is to take a mini-retirement before I'm 40 so I can travel the world mountain biking and skiing. This leads me, right? I love that. This leads me to my first question, which is... What are your tips for being a single solo female traveler? I want to be able to make new friends and ski and mountain bike wherever I travel to. In particular, how can I make friends with guys who like these activities without looking like I'm interested in them? My second question is, do you have any recommendations on a good ski jacket and bib combo? I've had my same ski outfit since college and it's starting to fall apart. I took Chelsea's advice and got some heated gloves this season. They've been life changing. So I'm curious, what ski apparel brands you like best? I want to look good but stay really warm while out there. Rachel.
0: Okay. Well, let me answer the the, the last part first because Lindsay sent me her fucking suit, which is called Core, <laughs> right? By it's it's by yeah. Head, but Lindsay designed it. This is the best ski suit I have ever had. It's two pieces, but it has it's is it is it Gore-Tex or is it something stronger than Gore-Tex? Because I think I think it's something. It's similar similar but stronger. Yeah, cuz I have Gore-Tex suits and they're not like this. And I love Arc'teryx, that's what I usually wear. This is better than Arc'teryx. This not only keeps the cold the wet out, it keeps the wind out. Mm. It's somehow fucking windproof this suit. And Whistler has very strange weather patterns. So there's a lot of really like arctic blasts and it gets really cold. Most people don't like to ski in that. I love that. But this keeps me warm and the scoot I mean this suit, Lindsay, everyone stopped me i've never worn a suit so many days in a row that and then i wore this suit i know i actually noticed that i'm like wow she doesn't stop wearing it she must like it because
4: you normally change like every single day which i do too so i get it but i appreciate the support that was like a great That was a great ad for my life. It's just the best
0: suit. And I'm not full of shit. I love it so much. Like I... You
4: literally wouldn't wear it if you didn't like it. I
0: 100% know that. Yes, you (laughs) do know that. And just all the details, even around the knees, like that little ruching... And then like the bottom cuffs, everything, the pockets, everything is perfect on this jacket. And when you ski, like, you know, if you're protecting the back of your helmet, which I learned like how to keep, you know, you always want to trap heat when it's really cold. This suit is just like, it's almost like a NASA suit. That's how I felt. Like (laughs) I just felt tougher. So everybody who, anybody who's listening that wants to ski. Yeah. Please look into her. Go find, uh, does it come in different colors or is that one color?
4: Yeah, I think it's a it's in like forest green and baby blue and yellow and black.
0: Oh great. Oh perfect. That's nice. Yeah, so, so I'll
4: have to send you some more colors so you can rotate instead yeah. of just having the green For every sure. single day. Although green's my favorite color. So I do think you look great in that.
0: Yeah, that was that's a pretty color. And let me know how that knee surgery goes also because I'm interested in possibly replacing my knees at some point. Both of them. <laughs> yes, you should. I mean I
4: know a lot of people that have had it and they've all raved about it. So I am very excited. I'm always limited with what I can do physically because of my knee. And I'm excited to hopefully not have that in the future.
0: Plus you're so good at recovering from surgeries, like this is gonna be a breeze from you. <laughs> I can do my own rehab basically. Yeah. Okay, so the first part of that woman's question. <laughs>
3: yeah. So the first part is was how does she
0: get into groups and meet guys without her thinking they're into them? I don't Right. Well, that's a separate issue. The first issue, yeah. first of all, is you should join Strata if you haven't if you're not on Strata, because that's a great bike riding community where you can compare speeds, meet people, talk to people who are in the area that you're going to. If you don't want to go on these adventures by yourself, there there's always cycling groups, you know, yeah. in Mallorca, I know there's tons of cycling groups that you can join as a single person and find people that are also going to be single so that you're never really alone traveling. Because I think as a female, it is more important to always surround yourself with some people that are going to be there, yeah. you know, whether they're friends or not. It's just better not to be alone as a woman in some some parts of the world, like the United States. So I would definitely do that. Join Strata if you're not already on that. and all of these activities you're talking about, whether it's skiing or whether it's biking, you can always find these groups to like, you know, there's, there's always like a social aspect.
4: For skiing, there's also like in Portillo, Chile, there's, you know, groups that come down. There's also singles women's week, you know, there's most ski resorts have, you know, either a singles week or a women's only week, you know, there's, a ton of groups that you can travel with and meet up with. So you're not by yourself, but you're with people that are equally excited to do what you want to do.
0: Yeah. So that's the easy part. So get your ski suit, go on your trips, join all these clubs and then come back with a husband or a wife. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Excellent.
3: Excellent. Well, our next question comes from Miranda and she's going to be joining us here on the zoom. She's 28. Dear Chelsea. I'm a female golfer and constantly on the golf course, men make sexist comments toward me and my female friends. I usually just laugh off their quote unquote jokes, but it bothers me so much to the point where it negatively affects my game and my desire to get on the course. I've asked a couple of women in my life for advice about this, but there are never any concrete ideas. I feel like Chelsea would have good tips on how I can put these men in their place or not let it affect me as much as it does. It happens almost every round that we get paired with older men. I absolutely love golf, but this aspect of it fills me with such anxiety that I wonder if continuing to play is even worth it. Miranda.
0: Hi, Miranda. Hello. How's it going? Good. Our special guest is Lindsay Vaughn. So you have Hi. her today to give you advice as well. How are you? Good. How are
5: you? Good. I normally cheer for Team Canada, but I can make an exception today.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think you'll have
5: to. North if you want. America, I think so. it's the
0: same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> North America, we're all the same anyway. You're right. You're right. Well, Lindsay, do you want to start this one? Because I feel like you probably had a lot of experience with this kind of thing.
4: Yeah, I definitely have. I honestly, I enjoy it. I use it to my advantage, and I love also self-deprecation. So. You know, whatever guys throw at me, I usually make some self deprecating comment back, or, you know, I hit them with, I kind of flip it around on them, or, Mm -hmm. you know, I I don't know. I just find that the more I use it as like a positive, I always perform better when I was skiing when people made fun of me, especially men. I mean, I've been made fun of for literally everything, and I'm still being made fun of, which is, kind of insane. Like I got comments because I was wearing a a tight one-piece suit the other day and someone that I've known for a long time made a comment about how tight my suit was. And I was like, you know what? The guy's just jealous. You know, he's, you know, you know, they're jealous of what I have. And, and again, I don't take it personally, which is obviously easier said than done, but however you can flip it, whether it's in your mind or it's a comment back to them, the better. And, you know, again, use it to your advantage.
6: Mm
5: -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point.
0: Yeah, I like that. I like the idea of using it to fuel you. I mean, listen, if you're talking to me, obviously, I'm just going to go off on that guy and they're never (laughs) going to say another thing to me again. I I knew that was coming. (laughs) I can't give you the language to do that. But I mean, you just give a dish up what they're dishing up right back at them because men can't handle what they say to women. They can't fucking handle it. They're sensitive and they're insecure. Insecure. Mm -hmm. you wouldn't be making fun of somebody unless you were insecure. You know what I mean? Especially when you haven't done anything to deserve that you're golfing. Mm -hmm.
5: I know. I feel like by me not saying anything, it almost compromises my comfort just Mm -hmm. to almost protect theirs, which, which I hate. And the annoying thing is it normally happens when like, I normally only golf with one friend. And when you only book a tee time for two people, they always pair you with two other people. And it's always two older men that are saying stuff to us the entire time. So It's basically four hours of, of this. Sometimes they're great. And sometimes the groups are horrible. And like, they say stuff to us right when we start. And then it just puts me in a shitty mood for the whole day. But yeah, you're right.
4: Also, the question is like, why golf? I feel like there could be a better sport.
0: No. Let's deconstruct this even more.
5: That's What's a good really point. wrong That's a good here? Point. I think
0: it's that you're playing golf.
5: That's a good point. I took it up during COVID. You know what? You can get outside. You can have some drinks, riding in a cart. It's very fun. I find it relaxing. Yeah, it sounds like you need to Still. make two more
0: friends, though, to do it but with you're,
5: so yes. that you're not, your day isn't ruined every okay, day by these you're right.
2: two
0: idiots. So A, get some other friends, rope them into golfing. <laughs> Actually, A, try and find a different sport. B, if you're going to stick to golfing, rope some other friends in so you don't have to deal with two guys you don't know.
5: Yep. I have done that.
0: And see, make sure you give it back to them. You know what I mean? They will cower. As soon as you level it up, men understand that the dynamic is shifted. As long as you're not saying anything, they're going to keep going in on you. It's like a bully. And as soon as you turn around and say, hey, like this guy said to me the other day, these guys invited me heli skiing. I said, no, my knee's really blown. Like my knee was too swollen. I go, my Mm -hmm. knee hurts. He goes, oh, your knee hurts. I go, yeah. And I don't want to be seen skiing like you. (laughs)
5: <laughs> see that's good right
0: line. That's So good. Sorry, that was over that conversation ended and he never yeah. came back around if that's i hadn't good. done that he would have continued on and on and on but it's good to just kind of get some stuff in your arsenal that you can throw back at them and with men it's really not that difficult right like, you don't have to be that prepared for what they're talking about no you know
5: yeah you're very right they're always the stupidest jokes too they're not funny at all they're all terrible it's never it's like if you're gonna make a joke to make it a little bit funny entertaining something no it's always like a guy puts the ball not very far and he says to his friend like oh you hit that one with your purse so stupid
4: yeah exactly you can come up with some good good lines in return
0: yeah
5: I could come up with something better than that, but it just, I feel like it always throws me off guard every time, which is so strange because I should be used to it by now.
0: Well, then you have to get more prepared. You have to go yeah, in there are. more prepared with the mission. Like today, I'm going to give it back. I'm going to serve it right back up to them and just think about every woman that you are helping by you using your voice because the next time they run into yeah. a woman like you, they're going to be much less likely to harass her. So if you need that as an extra motivation, use
3: it.
5: Mm-hmm. That's a good point.
3: And to your point, they're going to say the same jokes every time. So you're not going to have to come up with that many like clapbacks. It should be pretty easy, right? Yeah. Next time they say,
5: oh, it
0: looks like you hit that with your purse. You can say, well, it looks like you hit that with one of your balls. There's lots of old man bald jokes that you can make, or you know, intellectual jokes, or the fact that we're in the year 2024. Mm-hmm. Or, is it 2023? Mm-hmm. 2023. 2023. Yeah, yeah. 2023. So don't we can say, say that's 2024. An errant next year. That's I fine. I've been thinking it was 2024 for like two years already. I don't know what I'm smoking. Well, we all know what I'm smoking. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's a given. Also, try smoking pot while you're at the golf course. You won't give a shit about anything then. That's true. Yeah. About what they're saying, you'll be really focused on your game.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Normally the drinking comes into play and it makes it a little easier, but uh, it's just more annoying than anything. It's just irritating that people are still saying things like this.
0: Yeah. But definitely don't let anyone decide like how you're going to spend your time. You're not going to not golf because guys are there. You're going to make sure that you're going to golf. You know what I mean? That you're going to be fine when guys are around.
5: Right. As long as I don't pick another sport before then. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> try volleyball or something. That seems yeah. like there's going to be more Team sports people. are okay. I got a couple of those on lock, but you know, <laughs> this is good. good for summer. It's good for summer. Oh yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> yeah.
3: Awesome. Well, Miranda, please let us know what kind of comebacks you come up with and how it goes next time.
5: All right. We'll do Can I say one thing before I leave? Yeah, sure. Chelsea and Catherine, I thought of you guys the other day because me and my friends were on our way to a ski trip and my friend decided she would eat her breakfast in the car and it consisted of hard boiled eggs. And right before I turned around, I saw her about to open the container and I prevented it from happening, but I could not <laughs> believe she was gonna eat them in the car. I know. I could not believe that. I, I in the couldn't... privacy of her car, of course. It was, it, was, it was our car. I was My boyfriend was driving, I was in the front. Let's catch Lindsay up on this so she's aware. Yeah. Lindsay, yes.
0: it was revealed to me late last year in 2023, <laughs> <laughs> that Catherine travels regularly on planes with a Ziploc bag of hard-boiled eggs that have been peeled, and then and eats them because they're they're a good source protein. of protein. I said, I well, mean, a- it is
4: true. However, they do smell like hard-boiled eggs. Foot. so yeah. <laughs> eggs <laughs> smell I like know, feet. Yeah, they smell like ass. But I think you know maybe maybe eat them before you get on the plane because they are a good source of protein, but like spare your seatmate.
5: When you're smuggles. in an enclosed vehicle, agreed. Yes. I <laughs> made her eat them in the parking lot. She was standing in the parking lot eating them because I thought- uh, I know. mean, that's
0: a fair, that's a fair Bring ask. some yeah. peanut yeah. butter or something, like a peanut butter there stick, like that's better. That's not offensive to anyone. Everyone no. loves all peanut man, butter. Don't. Almonds don't smell. Except they all do the not. kids <laughs> that are allergic to peanut butter on planes.
5: Yeah.
6: There's many yeah. options.
0: I flew home from somewhere yesterday, and they put down a thing of those almonds. And I'm just like, those are the most unappealing almonds I've ever seen. <laughs> like, I, I was just like, what? I was just like, was, unsalted, bland. I know, and blanched. I just looked at them. I'm like, I don't even want one. You know, like, almonds when they're hot on a plane are good. When they mm. don't do that and they just throw some mix together, I'm like, no, no, no. Back the fuck up.
3: <laughs> Bring me some
5: eggs.
0: Anyway, so grab Bring your almonds eggs, yeah. and grab your peanut butter. Don't grab your eggs. Head to the
5: golf course and stand up for yourself. Yes. Or I do grab my eggs and no one will go near me. There That's you, a go. Good, yeah, <laughs> exactly. you go. Oh, yeah,
3: exactly. My love to your friend.
5: <laughs> I'm sure you would. You guys get along well. <laughs> <laughs> awesome.
3: Thanks so much for calling you, Miranda. Thanks, Bye, guys. Miranda. Appreciate Take care. It.
0: See ya. Bye. Yeah, I don't know why anyone golfs anyway. I find <sighs> golfing to be so boring <laughs> it seems very i boring. can confirm it's very boring <laughs> oh right exactly you know what i've been watching is that full swing documentary docuseries do you know about this on netflix oh yeah it's actually makes golf somewhat interesting yes i was gonna say the same thing because i was like oh this is something i know nothing about let me watch a couple of episodes and it's a lot about jordan spieth and they they have a couple of players that are like on the up and up
4: yeah, Jordan's great. I mean, I love Jordan. He's Under Armour guy, and I've known him for a long time. Yeah, there's some. I mean, there's some good people, and I think you just don't see their personalities when they're playing, which is why I think other sports are more engaging. But I think that this is showing actually. A good side of golf. So good on them. And also, yeah. Breakpoint.
0: Have you seen the tennis one? Breakpoint. I've seen a couple episodes of that. And then the Formula One, also. I haven't seen that yet because that's, I'm less interested in Formula One than I am in golf. <laughs> but I'm going to get to it because that's another sport where I'm not paying attention and I don't know it's what supposed any. supposed to be really good. Yeah, I think all I of thought these you series... would love
4: Formula One. That's like skiing, it's speed,
0: it's like adrenaline. Yeah, but there's a lot of mechanics, it's very mechanical.
4: Actually, not really.
0: Well, the way they talk about cars and the pit, I like the attitude and the strategy and the winning championship vibe. I love that. You know what is also great about Full Swing is... It's great to see the ebb and flow of a career because you're never at your height all the time. There's highs and there's lows. And it's always like the underdog that comes in, Mm -hmm. you know, and Mm -hmm. wins when you least expect it. And the people that have been revered or celebrated the most always end up not forever, but they always dip and they have their troubles, too. So it's never like just some static road where it's just an ascent. You know what I mean? It's honestly really cool because it's kind of like every athlete has their own little
4: mini documentary. Mm -hmm. And to your point of ebbs and flows, no career in any sport, I don't care who you are, is always at the top. And I think it humanizes athletes and shows you how hard it is to be consistently at the top. I mean, again, no one's at the top forever. But To be able to come back every time you go down is really hard. So I I love these little shows. I mean, again, they're like mini documentaries for every athlete. And it gives every athlete a lot more credit because, honestly, most people don't quite understand the difficulty.
0: Yeah. And it's not, you know, there's a lot of similarities, you know, in, in my business, there are dips and there are valleys and there are t- struggles. And it is exactly how you behave in those moments that make you a champion. You know, it's it's how you pick yourself back up and how you succeed again after you've fallen or you failed or what you deem as failure or you haven't placed. It's very inspiring to watch these kinds of shows because it's just a, it's really about it's a commentary on life and, you know, competitiveness. And I mean, there aren't a lot of industries or businesses that you don't have some aspect of competitiveness in there absolutely no I totally agree moms are more than the stuff they do for us the laundry cooking and driving and by the way dad should be helping with that stuff too she's got a whole life outside of motherhood this mother's day give mom her flowers she deserves the best and that's why books is giving you 25 percent off your entire order of farm fresh flowers from books that's short for bouquets Order your Books now. And with 25% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. So go to Books.com and use promo code Chelsea, C H E L S E A, for 25% off. That's B O U Q S.com, promo code Chelsea.
1: Tired of hair removal tools that just don't cut it? Conair Girl Bomb gives you smooth, flawless results while putting you firmly in control. From achieving that silky, smooth skin to boosting your inner confidence.
0: Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary, indulges your senses, and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the Natural Hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep visit lisa.com forward slash chelsea to learn more that's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash chelsea
3: well our next question comes from lana and this is a bit of a relationshipy question
2: Ooh.
3: i'm 24 and i've been with my boyfriend for three and a half years This summer, we'll be moving in together for the first time in a new city with new jobs. Within the next year or so, I expect to be engaged to him. Our dynamic has always been the same. I'm very affectionate, both physically and verbally. I've been told it's like I don't leave the honeymoon phase. And he's always kind, caring, supporting me emotionally, showing up for me, helping me whenever I ask, and taking me out on nice dates. He just doesn't express to me verbally how he feels. He'll tell me he loves me when I say goodbye or when I prompt it, but usually no sweet words come unprompted. I'm not 100% sure what's triggering this now, but recently I've been feeling insecure about how we display our love to each other and how it feels disproportionate. To me, the perfect partner would be able to show their love through all love languages because they want to. Gift giving, verbal affection, physical affection, acts of service are all things I provide when I truly and deeply love someone without having to think about it. Is this an unrealistic view to expect the same? I've talked to him about this, and he says my feelings are valid. That he's always felt I have more affection toward him than he has for me. This hurt to hear. But he assures me that he loves me and is in love with me. He just doesn't feel affection for anyone as deeply as I do. He told me that he used to feel very deeply growing up, but that changed after going through painful heartbreaks and dealing with a close loss as a young adult. Is it wrong for me to find this outlook sad? And to want more from him in terms of verbal and physical affection, even though he checks all the other boxes? I'm torn because I know I can find many men who will say sweet things to me, but they don't actually care. Is it just an insecurity on my part, needing to know how he truly feels because of the next steps we'll be taking soon? Lana.
0: Hi, Lana. Hi.
3: Hi, how are you?
0: I'm doing good. And you are 24, you said, right? Yes, I am. Okay, so the only thing that struck me in your letter, if if you hadn't said this part, which was, he used to be affectionate with other people, and then he got his heart broken, which is the reason he's giving you for not having as much affection as you, is kind of like, oh, so he has the capability, but he's chosen to shut down rather than open up. So... That doesn't make a lot of sense because if he really felt like you were the one and you guys are supposed to be together, I would imagine that that would be burst open again. You don't really, we don't really have control over who we fall over. That aside, it does sound like you're expecting from him what you're giving out, and that's not a fair thing to do in a relationship. You can't expect the partner to give what you what you want to give or that your partner's going to be great at all four love languages. Like, that's just not realistic at Actually, all. Actually, if I can interject,
3: there are five love languages oh. and the one that you left out, Lana, was quality time, which is the thing that he is really giving you. And that may be the way he expresses his love languages. Sorry to interrupt.
0: Oh, no. But... I'm glad you did. I mean, I had no idea there were five because <laughs> I haven't read that fucking book. I've only heard about it nonstop for the, the last 10 years.
3: That's the thing is I think Everybody hears like the Instagram snippets of
0: it. Oh, I'm thinking of the four agreements. That's what oh, there I'm go. thinking of. Okay, <laughs> got it.
3: But yeah, you know, the thing about the love languages is it's about finding out what each person's actually is and expressing love to them through that. Like maybe yours is more heavily these verbal little sweet things that he might say and his may be quality time. So it's just a mismatch and figuring out how to encourage him to give you what you need and you to give him what he needs.
6: Okay. Is it wrong to like specifically ask for that? Like that's what I've been doing in the past few weeks because I wrote in this email after we had like a little bit of, not an argument, but a discussion. And then I kind of circled back to him later after I kind of decompressed. And I was kind of saying like growing up, I didn't get verbal affection or physical affection from my parents, and just thinking about living my whole life not getting that is, like, really sad. So I have been just asking for it, like, hey, like, when you're done, can you come here and, like, give me a cuddle or something? Cuddle Mm me. I don't know if that's not romantic or if that's, like, being needy.
3: It's communicating what you need from your partner, and I think that's great.
6: And what if he's not able to deliver it, though? Right. And there have been times recently where he has been so stressed out with being on the job market and everything, where he has been like, I'm not really in the mood to be really affectionate right now. I'll spend time with you and we'll have dinner together, but I'm not going to be as loving as you want me to be right now. And I think as long as that's communicated, I'm okay with that. But it is still kind of hard to be like, well, what if what if there is a perfect person where he would act this way towards
4: Well, first of all, there's no perfect person. Like, there's no one that's going to do all the love languages and that's perfect. But at the same time, if you're communicating what you need to him and he's not able to give that to you, you're young. You can't spend the rest of your life feeling like you need something else. So I think if there's that hole, and I felt it before myself, if you're not, if you have needs that aren't being met and that's just the character of the person that you're with, then it's just a mismatch, you know? And again, you're really young. It's fine to move on and, and start over. But if you have a hole and it's not being filled, that's never going to get filled. You're never going to change someone. If, if they can't do what you're you're needing them
0: to do, then
4: it's just not going to work.
0: Yeah. Like, I want to say, I am a little bit like, I think your boyfriend. And I have been in relationships with people who have been very needy of affection and time and, like, lots of cuddling and kissing. And I can give only so much. Like, I, it's not a reflection of how I feel about them. It's a reflection of, like, I'm very comfortable in my own space and in my own skin. And when I'm needed like that, you know, if I wanted to be needed like that, I would ha- have become a mother. Like, I don't <laughs> I don't like when I am feel needed. So I can kind of relate to, you know, it's just a different set of importance around you, like what I value. I also don't like gifts. Like I don't care if I ever get a gift in the world. Again, it doesn't matter to me. Those things don't matter. So I'm about like, I like time spent. That's how I spend time with my friends, my family, everyone I love is about quality time. So I think, you know, there's two sides of this argument. I think you are really young and and 24 years old. I really think you probably are going to want some more experiences in your life. Like as you, I know that's probably not how you're feeling right now, but it's really the truth of the matter for three women who are older than you, you're going to want a little bit more experience. It's like she's not getting what she needs, so she has to ask what she needs. Also, you have to respect that this person isn't built like you. You don't have the Mm -hmm. same brain. You don't have the same likes, dislikes, all of that. So I think it's somewhere in the middle. You know, you have to kind of figure out, like, what's make or break? How often do you need a hug? And if you do really need that all the time, then you should find someone who's going to give it to you.
6: Right. And back to the point where I said he was saying that he used to be like really loving in relationships. That was also back in high school. So I don't know if that's like a fair comparison because he was saying, oh, I was getting all this advice from girls to text my girlfriend. I love you every day and good night, gorgeous. And he obviously figured out that's not what you're supposed to do. So I don't know if it's really like trauma why he's closed off or it's just him growing up. But I, mm. I do think it would be good for him to kind of go to a therapist and explore that, because I don't know if he's really explored that.
3: She mentioned that he also had a loss of someone close to him as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. He could, that could be it. I mean, but, you know, is he going to go to therapy? Is he open to that? Like, have you discussed that?
6: I have discussed that. he thinks that he is generally OK, and he's like the strong one for all the other people in his life. In that he would be open to therapy if something bad happened or something traumatic happened. But I'm of the belief that anyone could use therapy at all times. So I don't know if you can really convince someone of going to therapy without them feeling they need to.
0: No, and there's no point. Like There's no point in forcing somebody to go to therapy. It has to be their idea. Otherwise, they're not going to absorb anything that they're going there for.
6: Right. I almost thought about You know, now that we're getting super serious, I I am going to be moving to a whole different state with him. We've been together for four years. And so now it's like finally becoming real. Like I, if I do this move with him, next step in a few years is maybe getting engaged. And I was thinking, well, maybe I should say like, if I'm going to get married to you, I want you to be open to therapy. But I don't know if that's a fair ultimatum.
0: I think that's fair. I mean, we live in 2023 or sometimes 2024, you know? (laughs) Have you tried golfing? He actually used
6: to be on the golf team.
0: Oh, okay. Well, he's tried it. We just had a golfer call (laughs) in. So there's some similarities here. Well, not very many, actually. But I just thought golfing was something that I should bring up again. As far as the therapy goes, maybe it's you two going together. Like maybe
3: there's something there. Maybe it's not just like you have to go. Yeah,
0: it's good to get a third person involved in this because I don't want to qualify you as needy because you're saying what you want, which is good. But you might be coming across as needy and that might be rubbing him the wrong way. And then you're creating like a chasm. So it's like if he could modify his behavior a little bit and you could modify yours and meet in the middle which would be like what would happen in therapy ideally is somebody saying okay this is you got to compromise then I feel like you would have more of a like workable dynamic instead of you feeling ignored or slighted you know I feel like that might be a good option for you to bring up yeah, especially since you're moving. That's a perfect excuse. There you go. We're moving to a new state. We've never lived here before. There's going to be lots of pressure. There's going to be lots of opportunity. I want to stay grounded, and I would love to have, like, a way for us to just make sure we're always ahead of our problems. You know, mm-hmm. therapy's great when you're going through something, but it's even better when you have the tools before you go through that. So hang your hat on that and make it, couch it in that. There you go. And then when you get in there, you can get into these issues.
6: That's actually a really- You're so smart, point. Chelsea.
0: Yeah, I, I think so too, right in this moment. I was like, wow, why didn't you think of that earlier? <laughs> brilliant. Great, brilliant. yeah, problem solved.
3: Awesome. Well, Lana, let us know how it goes. Let us know how the move goes as well.
6: Yeah, will do. I really like your idea, Chelsea, because we're also going to be living together for the first time. So that's also perfect. a whole new magazine.
0: Yeah. So- yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you don't want to screw this up. You want to succeed, blah, 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 blah. Let's go to therapy.
6: Right, for sure. I like that idea. Well, thanks Great. so much for your
0: suggestions. Yeah, go yeah, back. absolutely.
6: Awesome. Well, I'll let you know how it goes.
0: Okay, take Thank care, Lotta.
3: Good luck. Bye. Aw, she's a baby.
0: <laughs> I know, I wanted to go break up with him. Like, fuck <laughs> it, it's your 24. You need to find a new boyfriend. I wanted to be like, wouldn't we
3: all felt so needy at 24? Like, man. I know, I know. I, I got remember. married
0: at 22. Bad oh, idea. Oh, shit. I always this... forget you were married. It's so weird. I know.
4: We don't need to talk about it, but you know, oh, no, I always don't. want to say, whenever anyone in their 20s
0: asks me for advice, I'm like, whatever you do, just don't get married.
6: <laughs> don't,
0: yeah, exactly. I mean, 24, you're so needy. I used to, I had a boyfriend, I remember who I was talking to over this weekend, actually, because he was texting me. And I used to beg him, like, I would be like, I wanted to sleep at his house every night. He lived up the street from me in Santa Monica, and I would go over there every night. And I remember once he was like, hey, do you have to sleep over every single night? And I was like, <laughs> yeah i'm your girlfriend obviously you know now as i'm sitting here as a 48 year old woman i'm like Oh, how annoying, <laughs> you know, to not be able to go, Oh sure. You need space. Let me, I won't sleep over a few nights a week that if, you know, when somebody asks you for space, you have to fucking respect that and give them double, like let, let them have their space. So yeah, I think there's a, there's a neediness that comes in your twenties. You really want this fairy tale that you think yeah. is going to yeah. happen. There is no fairy tale. Yeah. It's, a, it's like going to the Eiffel tower. I went with my boyfriend when I was 21 to, to Paris. And I just had this vision of like, what are, trip was going to be like and he was british and i was still american and i was 21 he was 34 (laughs) and we went to london and we stayed in a hotel room and the bathroom was inside the bedroom there was no separate bathroom and i was like this is not how that's a great way to end
4: things yeah (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) We didn't speak the entire trip to Paris. There were pictures of me alone at the Eiffel Tower and him alone at the Eiffel Tower and the Louvre and every other thing that you saw and the Champs de Laison because Princess Di had just da- died there and the Plaza Athenite, just us not speaking because I was <laughs> so disappointed in this fantasy that I had created in my mind that had never shown proof of life. You know what I mean? <laughs> It's yes. just like we need proof of life. Yeah. yeah. There's no, I mean, we just, we're not as fantastical when we're older. We get it. Yeah. Just more real.
3: We've been disappointed enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, let's take a quick break and we'll be back to wrap up
0: Order your books now. And with 25% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. So go to books.com and use promo code CHELSEA, C-H-E-L-S-E-A, for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S scom promo code CHELSEA.
1: Tired of hair removal tools that just don't cut it? Conair Girlbomb gives you smooth, flawless results while putting you firmly in control. From achieving that silky, smooth skin to boosting your inner confidence—
0: needed most. To learn more, visit naturesway.com slash pearls and use code CHELSEA10 at the checkout for 10% off any Pearl's probiotics. Terms and conditions apply. Valid through July 31st. We all know how important it is to get a good night's sleep. I know that if I don't sleep for eight hours a night, I am not a sharp. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses, plus two free pillows. Go to Lisa.com forward slash Chelsea for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. L-E-E-S-A dot com forward slash Chelsea. And we're back with Lindsay Vaughn and Catherine to wrap up today's episode, which was... Good. This yeah. was a great episode. Yeah,
3: <laughs> absolutely. We gave good
0: advice. Lindsay gave good advice. Lindsay, you look fucking beautiful, by the way.
3: Ridiculous. I was just so. sitting
0: there looking at you thank going, you. wow, you're looking real good.
3: You're just like oh, in a hotel glowing. Yeah.
4: Yeah, this this lovely hotel is really making me glow over here. All Orlando hotels are beautiful. <laughs> so pretty.
3: Well, Lindsay, is there any advice you'd like from Chelsea?
4: Yeah. Do you want any skiing yeah. advice
0: from me, Lindsay? <laughs>
4: Yes, how do you ski so damn well, Chelsea, in your <laughs> bikini? I've always wanted to I, I'll, how do you like not freeze your tits off? Like, that's what I want to know because it I can't even handle being in my ski clothes, let alone like basically naked. But that's not my question, that was just something I'm curious about. But my actual <laughs> question is, how do you because you love skiing and obviously I love skiing, but you work so hard, how do you manage both things? Like, how do you manage? getting time to do what you love, and how do you
0: manage being a boss? I just, I'm like, listen, if I don't get to ski for a good solid two months a year, then I'm not worth anything the rest of the year. So I will work all summer long, I'll tour and I'll do that stuff. And then I have to have my time to ski because it's just so important for me. It's my only real, passion besides what I do and reading books and stuff like I love skiing you know the way you talk about it is the way I feel about it I always want to be on the mountain I always want to get up and I I mean my friends caught like they're just like you're so ridiculous like I'm outside my door waiting for them to come get me well before we go to the and I've got my outfit on like I've got everything ready my gloves my skis and my phone and I'm just sitting there waiting at the ski lift like at the you know we walk to the little run and I'm just like an eager beaver and they're like you're just so excited I'm like yeah, I like to go out at 8.30 and get like three or four runs before anyone else comes out. And then I, I like to ski with my friends. But I, I feel like we talked about this earlier or on the other episode. You know, I think for when you're in the public eye in the way that we both are, there's so much attention on you and your life is so much about you. And you're so self-involved that it's it's so necessary to actually have other interests that don't require it being about you, so for you, it would probably be something other than skiing to to do that doesn't remind you of the main event in your life. <laughs> and I always make sure that I take myself out of my comfort zone and I'm trying different things so that I remain normal like a human being that's constantly growing and evolving and not just spinning around in this little hubris that is our lives, yeah, okay, that's a good point i mean i I play tennis,
4: I love tennis it's what like- about yeah.
0: golf? Have you thought about golfing? <laughs> I think you should take up golf. That feels like the missing hole. (laughs) So many puns in that. So many. So many puns. How do you also manage the change of subject? How do you also manage being away from your dogs? Well, I mean, that's just out of good parenting. It's better that they're not with me in Whistler because they like to be at home in L.A. where they can go in and out of the house. They just prefer that. And I took them to Whistler and they're just too old for that. So the next round of dogs I get... I will make sure they're younger and they're more adept. And then I will bring them to Whistler. But I'm just trying not to torture them. Because last time I brought them, they were like, what is snow? They didn't like it. I'm pretty sure they're from Mexico. Because everything <laughs> is pointing to that. They only understand my bell. And they like hot, warm weather. So I think that they're, yeah, they're. I think they're from South America. i to get one of these
3: mountain dogs that, like, just wants to live in the snow. Maybe you need, like, a, a wind- I need a
0: part-time dog <laughs> for the a winter. winter and then I need a dog for summer. Yes. That's what I need to do to split my time up. Thank you, Lindsay, for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. You know I love you. And I hope you have a great rest of your day in Orlando. I think it's going to really be balls to the wall. I mean, might as well. Maybe I'll hit up Disneyland while I'm at it. Yeah, nothing better than an adult going to Disneyland
4: with no children. (laughs) Exactly. Not (laughs) creepy at all. Well, thank you. I love you and um, I appreciate you having me on.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. We'll speak soon, Lindsay. Bye. Bye. And don't forget, everybody, my new special revolution is now streaming on Netflix and it's badass. And then I'm doing a tour, a little big bitch tour. Go to ChelseaHandler.com for tickets. I've added some new dates. I added a date in Monticello, New York. I'm coming to Colorado to Red Rocks Amphitheater. I'm coming to Kalamazoo. And then I'm coming to a bunch of places in Tennessee, Memphis, Knoxville, and Chattanooga. That's May 19th, 20th, and 21st. And then I'll be in Atlantic City June 10th, which is almost filled out. So get your tickets. If you'd like advice from Chelsea, shoot us an email at
3: dearchelseapodcast at gmail.com and be sure to include your phone number. Dear Chelsea is edited and engineered by Brad Dickert, executive producer Catherine Law. And be sure to check
1: out our merch at chelseahandler.com. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control?